Starting lyrics from uh, Alvin Lee, 10 years after. Now, that is the way to do it right there. Hey, Mr. Chris, that's how you keep those irritating tones out of everybody's ears is you mute. I hit a, the right mute button and it does it. How you doing? Happy Memorial Day, Chris. Well, thank you very much. Uh, doing fairly well. In fact, I'm in an excellent condition this morning, all things considered, but I'm uh, about ready to get out of this couple of days and uh, see how things work out good got a good connection today let me get the preliminaries out of the way here bring out the broom sure. and brush them away roger sales of course and uh, it's the memorial day edition of the radio ranch there's a reason i like doing live shows on days like today and of course our fledgling little platform the people's patriot network and one of our I might as well call you a co-host, Chris. You're in here so much, and everybody appreciates you, and they feel for you in your situation. And a bunch of people always are asking me and sending me messages, get me a hold of Chris, get me a hold of Chris. So you're a pretty popular guy. I had that. Glad to have you along today, man. Um, I just wanted to do a live show today because Memorial Day is uh, is important. Um uh, I, I didn't serve myself. I, w I was raised in the military. I had a career Air Force officer father. and uh, But just about the time I was coming of age was this little soiree, soiree that we were messing around with over there in Vietnam. And, you know, even at that age, Chris, I just knew that was wrong. I didn't have any idea of the stuff we've discovered so many years later and know now. But even back then in my gut, I knew it was wrong, and I wasn't going over there and shooting damn people that weren't invading my country, you know. And uh, uh, that whole thing turned a lot of people's eyes and ears and thoughts upside down, uh, especially at the time, of course. And um, here uh, I look back now and I can see that that was one of the real first things that started me questioning as you're coming of age in the world where you've got even a semblance of idea how the damn thing works. And uh, so that was the seed that eventually, I guess, this is the mighty acorn, the mighty oak that little acorns grow, you know. And as I've said for so many years, they're their own worst enemies. Okay. And it's showing everywhere here these days. Uh, very refreshing to see what's happening over in Europe, that that whole thing's disintegrating on them. Did you see the, the yellow vest showed up in Brussels this weekend? Did you see uh, that? didn't, but I've heard a little bit about the uh, kerfuffle and the Theresa May and the Nigel Farage and the pop party uprising over there that seem to uh, be shutting down the left-wing extreme phase. It's shutting down all kinds of things, and, and but the interesting thing is, boom, the yellow vests who've been in France, they've been popping up around the world in different little places, but they showed up, there's a pretty good number of them yesterday or the day before, I guess, in Brussels, and that's, of course, where the EU is headquartered. And I mean, to tell you what caught me was there that wasn't that many of them, maybe a few hundred, 
but buddy they almost had an equal number of protected armored cops out there surrounding them they got into a couple of little kerfuffles uh, but it wasn't anything major like's been going on in Paris but what showed me again with our enemy you see how they react okay and all you had to do was get a couple of those guys in Brussels and buddy they had a contingent of cops out there to make sure none of that crap erupts they're really scared of this okay I guess Chris is still there no looks like he dropped off but Shane oh I muted out you muted out okay Shane well, let me get let me let me yes. poll Chris here. I'll get to you in a sec, Shane. Let me poll Chris here on his thoughts on this yellow vest thing. Well, I do recall the uh, financial whatever it was network on the C-SPAN that I saw a couple of years ago when they were having their global financial get together, soiree, and they were lamenting about the populist uprising, and they said, "Shoulder to the wheel, steady as you go." maintain the status quo everything will be back it is this will blow over soon but i'm not sure their forecast was actually right no 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 it wasn't and it's continuing to fester and again why is it festering because of these uh, 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 oppressive policies and taxes and all this clamping down as we move to their version of the world order and globalism well that's coming apart at the seams because the people that are making the wheels grind on the thing are getting too oppressed and, and at a point, you know, it's just at a point, the, the damn camel's back breaks. And that appears, obviously, what's happening, and it's really refreshing. I think back, mentioned it on the show a couple of times, think back to the 90s when I first got into this, and I was still new, like some of the folks that we've got out there are new, just, you know, fairly to, to our ideas here. But I, I'm talking about just to the whole thing at... In, in Toto, and that was back in the Clinton years, okay? And none of us ever even had a dream that we'd be seeing what we're seeing today. Some of these things, the Trump getting elected and the, and the, the left pulling this Mueller thing, and it's backfiring on them now big time, going to continue to do so. Uh, the, the world political situation, these damn war hawk, bastards that are in the State Department, Bolton and Pompeo and the neocon bunch are still trying desperately to start anything they can provoke at these key spots around the world. And one of the things may be, as Gerald Salenti, I noticed, had a video, a new video out on YouTube over the weekend. I didn't watch it, uh, but it's the same old theme. The theme was in the title. Look at the financial thing. It's going down. They take you to war. Okay, and they've been trying to provoke a war for the last couple of years. Syria, Ukraine, now Iran, and Venezuela. Okay, poke, 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 poke. And the reason that we don't have one of those already going is honestly because of Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has, has absolutely blocked them in every one of those situations. And it's not just Putin, it's Putin and China. So one of the things, of course, Trump's doing is trying to get back at Russia by attacking China, by attacking China. So it's all interesting, and it, it obviously is in a real precipitous situation. Now, I wanted to, of course, today we usually do cyber stuff. John's not going to be with us. He's off on the road somewhere. 
And uh, oh. But I wanted to do our own show today because there's a lot of things to discuss. And usually people, because it's a holiday, aren't working. And maybe the people that don't normally have an opportunity to listen live are able to listen live today and even participate. That's one of the ideals here. Shane, how you doing out there on the left coast? Hello, Roger. I'm doing pretty well. And thank you for uh, picking up my my line and hello Chris um stuff out here is going pretty well uh basic it's the same old stuff and therefore it's you know in reality it's just the, the bubble is just it's just uh, I guess expanding well they're trying sad. they're trying to expand it but there's some real bleak things on the horizon your neighbors out there Apple uh uh, they're going to yeah. get hit real hard. There's a huge movement in China to get rid of your Apple phone. Have you seen anything about that? So, uh, obvious, not, not recently. No. Well, there was an article in the last day or two about it over there on Zero Hedge. And uh, China's starting an all-out war on, uh, over this Huawei, or how, however the heck you say that word. H-U-W-A-I. Highway. Huawei. Huawei. maybe, could be. Uh, wowie, wowie, wowie! I saw and I sent wowie, it to yeah. I sent it to some of you. A cute one of these little JPEG things, and it's got Trump dressed up like a rock and roll musician, you know, and he's up there on stage mm-hmm. with a guitar, and it says Hawaii to hell. <laughs> it was real clever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought anyway. Um, listen, I, this is, I guess, since it is cyber until we get uh, get a little bit of this expended or somebody calls in, uh, it, it takes us on another. If we had a question about people that want to talk about the affidavit process or all this, and uh, you'd be welcome to call in. But if not, that's okay. Because um, today we try and usually cover the cyber stuff, and, and there's a lot breaking in it right now. Uh, and I thought... I thought for sure John and Kathy be with us, but I understand. Um, of course, uh, Bitcoin's almost up at it's uh, as we look the eighty-eight hundred bucks. So uh, we're approaching nine thousand on Bitcoin. Um, but what I wanted to ask all of you is, and if not, you need to direct yourself over and check it out. Greg Hunter's Sunday interview yesterday was with Bo Polney. Did either of you see that yet? Not personally, no. Um, no, but good morning, Shane. Well, I, I would suggest that good all morning, of Chris. Yeah, hey, you guys. Uh, I would suggest that all of you, if you if uh, go watch that. It's a it's an extremely good Bo Pole, and he's had some spectacular calls. Uh, he misses sometimes, like everybody else, but he's really picked a couple of key things along the years. And uh, he goes over some of that in this video with Greg. Uh, but it's he says everything starts June is the month, boys. According to Mr. Polney and his charts and his information and his connections with people that have connections with higher powers and all the rest of this stuff, um, what is going to happen according to his charts is we're going to see two pretty big dips in June, and then in July, we it, it, there's another huge one, and past that, what the statement they made in the video was, we're at the right at the front edge of a, a tipping point in a sense, tipping point being that something comes along so dramatic it changes and it never goes back to the way it was. 
and they come out and say that we're right, right. at the front end of the end uh, as we know it of the paper money system okay and gold and silver and the proper probably a lot of the coins even if they're not as valid as others here in these early stages are going to have some spectacular rises between now and the end of the year and for, of course from then on for a couple of years so you can watch the uh, interview and take away from it what may be important to you but uh, it was a very positive um, interview and information and feedback from our positions that we take and uh, and try and proffer and it pretty well validates you know everything's fallen into place uh, he did have some very interesting things he's got a chart that's um, he has got a bunch of notations to the numbers one two four okay and there's about three or four different events that in that span of time that the chart covers that the numbers one two four in some combination appear just magically appear man on these important key uh, down days, up days, whatever. So it's very interesting. I'd encourage all of you, if you haven't seen it already, to uh, go over to usawatchdog.com and uh, it'll be right there at the top. You can access about a 30, 35 minute interview. Um, uh, it buttressed everything I've been, because I've been feeling it and, I, and we talk about it on the air. I've been feeling it for some time now that we're right at that close point. But I'm always ahead by pretty good bit than the events that seem to happen. And um, it looks like we're at that point where we're going to start to see the real unraveling. Um, one thing may be, you know, the agricultural season in the U.S. this year because of the mid middle part of the country has been totally screwed up with these floods and the early stages of the global solar minimum. And... Uh, so the crops are going to be in terrible shape this year. I, I guess in a lot of places there, Shane, they don't even have the crops in the ground yet, and they should have already been in the ground a couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of flooding. They're still uh, letting... Rock? Yes, Shane? Yes, Roger. I would just like to suggest that the, uh, the guy by the name of Kenneth Storey, as Kenneth is K-E-N-N-E-T-H, which is S-T-O-R-E-Y, had a really good, um, what is it called, Global Currency Reset and the uh, the War on America. So um, it's a 45-minute and six seconds uh, presentation of, of uh, what we were, where we are now, and where we're going in regards to... Uh, because of this in regard to the monetary system. Okay, well, who is Mr. Story? Who is Mr. Story? Uh, Mr. Story is a part of a, a bigger, I don't know, bigger, smaller, particular uh, system where uh, he makes these uh, presentations because I think he knows, like, the end on the um, financial situation. He's been out there for a long time now. Of course, saying that the uh, it's going to reset, you know. Of course, it hasn't, not yet. And um, he just has a really good uh, uh, tactical information for, uh, I guess, his paid um, 
subscribers, but also he makes a free uh, service for the rest of us uh, um, people who don't pay. Okay, is he a, is he so, a, yeah. a, a is he a, a I put is Joseph Story is that was his name Shane? Uh, Kenneth Kenneth K E N N E Kenneth with investing with insight. Okay, well, let me, let me just engaging heavens. Economy okay. on Earth. Okay, well, look, there's see. I'll, I'll check him out, and we'll see and t- follow your reference there, Shane. See what the man's got to say, but I can't do it while we're on the air. Um, so I'll look at it this right. afternoon, this evening, or something. But we're at a we're just at that real uh, interesting point of time, and I think those of us who have been like good little squirrels and put our nuts away for the cold winter are going to really be glad we made those decisions. I mean, just for what we've covered here, um, when we broke a little over a year ago, the carrot bar uh, coin offering, because we did break it because nobody else could talk about it. (laughs) So being as that our audience is pretty small, uh, we could get out there and put the word out. Well, we got into that coin, those of us who participated, at uh, seven-tenths of a cent, and it when I noticed, looked at it last night, it had popped into over seven. It's been up over ten. That's a pretty nice return on investment in a year's time. Uh, hey, I uh, about Cody, uh, Kinesis. Cody, Kinesis. I don't hadn't heard much about Kinesis lately. I don't know what's going on with it, but uh, we'll see if anything pops up. We'll certainly talk about it. Uh, my friend from Brent, mine and Brent's mutual friend. I met him through Brent. Uh, and had dinner with him and his lovely wife Saturday night. Cody has joined us. He was with us the other day. Hey, Cody. Good morning. Uh, hey, I uh, I got in the conversation late, so I have no idea where you're at. But, yeah, we're just uh, meandering just around. Talking about... I'll just uh, kind of listen. Well, uh, Bitcoin has uh, uh, popped up in the last day or two, up to almost nine grand, and we're just talking about the Greg Hunter interview. I sent you a copy of it yesterday, and yeah. some of the conclusions yeah. that Bo Polney uh, had come to, and why, and his accuracy in the past, and all that kind of stuff, where we are, where we're going. I was just talking, uh, as you came on, about this carrot bar opportunity uh, coin that we stumbled into, talked about it a year ago, uh, uh, and only station, to my knowledge, in the country that talked about it and we were able to uh, I've been involved with carrot bars for a number of years now know how good the company is and how they do things and I saw it as a tremendous opportunity because of all those factors I went out and scrounged up every penny I could get my hands on and threw at it uh, and we got into that thing at point uh, seven tenths of a cent and it just re- it was up over 10 recently it's back down to around seven now but as this economy deteriorates the price of gold and silver are going to start going up and i guarantee you the coin will probably go up in ratio along with theirs or probably even maybe surpass it's my feeling certainly well is it is it backed by something? Why are, yes, why are they calling it carrot bars? It, because carrot bars is the largest seller of high-quality, small-size gold in the world. Uh, the company's nine years old. They do business worldwide. They're in the World Trade Organization and follow their rules. Uh, it's a very established, debt-free company, and they're real slick. And I won a contest. Uh, the The product that the coin is based on is called cash gold and it's where they actually took small 
subgram sizes of pure 24 karat gold. Cody, I had one with me. I could have mm. showed it to you the other night. And tenth okay. of a gram, two tenths of a gram, and six tenths of a gram, and one gram. So they've actually got that in a circulating currency type format. But then when the coins came along, they put the coin on top of that product. So that's the product that you buy, and then it backs. At this point, it's about 15% backed, and they've got three gold mines around the world. And uh, green gold, they only do green gold. You know what green gold is? No. Huh. Uh, that's no cyanide and no child labor. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, okay. Uh, very reputable firm. And what I was saying is I won a contest here a couple of years ago and got a 10-day trip to Europe and with them and mm -hmm. spent a couple of days at the corporate headquarters in Stuttgart, Germany. And then they took okay. us over to the final G Moto G European GP race of the year, man. It was this... It was a mm -hmm. big deal, okay? I mean, we I know we had the Indianapolis mm -hmm. 500 like yesterday, all right? Well, this is a sim kind of like that, except a hellacious, more curvier track. And um, about a quarter of a million people were there. Um, and and yeah. they, they put us up on the key curve in this big VIP tent that other corporations, it was a sponsor deal, obviously. But man, yeah. for two days in that big race, we had carte blanche. And from breakfast to dinner to lunch to booze to anything you wanted right there at your fingertips, it was fantastic, okay? Put us up in a so are they are they... I was going to say, put yeah. us up in one of those storied five-star European resorts. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. we'd all read about them and stuff, Baden-Baden and all that. Uh, it was a fantastic mm -hmm. trip, but they're really, really sure. solid folks, and it's a solid company. And uh, so uh, what was your question? Well, are they are they actually putting 15% of it in a vault, or are, you, are they just kind of backing it with yeah, the stock of their no, company with, no, it, with their mines? There, there, no, there is no stock. It's a private-owned company, and, yeah, they back it with gold in the vault. In the, supposedly, yeah. Okay. Well, no, they got it, man. I've seen it. I've toured the offices, okay? <laughs> okay. So. Uh, I know the reputation of the people. Go put, you can, in fact, well, based, oh, well, hold on, what, ho, 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 hold on. on what I'm price, though? Well, uh, uh, because the gold is 24 karat, uh, when you drop the size and increase the pure purity of gold, every step of that costs extra. Okay, their gold is four nines, nine 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 point nine, and it's considered to be currency grade gold. Currency grade mm -hmm. gold is the grade and quality of refined gold that countries demand when they're balancing balance trade deficits. Okay, sure. Uh, but this came in last night. Let me see if I've got the right. I'm sure. Well, I'll find it if I don't have it. Dad, it. Where was it? Who sent it to me? Uh, I had a, a, a message last night. Here, right there. Here it is. Okay, Eli James. Well, Eli, I'm on the air, man. Hold on a second. I'm on the other computer. Uh, it says Harold Seitz is the president of Carrot Bars, Cody. He's, he's a real, uh, real interesting fella. His name is spelled S-E-I-Z, 
H-A-R-A-L-D, German, Seiz, S-E-I-Z. And it says, Dear friends, I want to share with you a very important news on our Carrot Bar family. Today, a new satisfied user of KBC, that's the coin, Cody, has appeared. Mm -hmm. P.S. Thank you for trust and loyalty. Your every review is very precious to me. This comes from a guy I think most of you have probably heard of him. His name is John McAfee, and it's got his verified account, and it says, warning, I won't work with... I." I work with this company. However, I only work for companies I believe in. KBC coin is linked to gold in a way that downside is limited while upside is unlimited. For me, it is simply a way to protect against the crypto market's volatility. John McAfee. That's a pretty good endorsement. But, but if you buy a thought, you know, the price is fluctuating. So are they basing the 15 percent at the initial well, point gonna, offering it, or are they adding more it, as the price it, fluctuates? No, he's at his his goal is to make it 100 percent backed eventually. Because that price, like you said, you bought it at seven tenths of a cent or whatever. It's at, well, that was you know, here's so what, just happened, wondering they, what the base is. Oh, the bet. Well, uh, he's got a couple of billion. It's not a coin. It's not a cyber coin a, where it's done with cyber security where it's mined. It's what's called an ERC-20 token, okay? And it runs on the Ethereum blockchain along with all these other tokens, all right? And so uh, it, it was originally offered to members of the company that because I'm associated with them, I knew about the deal. And now this feeds into our political stuff, Cody. Do you know who the only yeah. people in the world are that cannot participate in any of these initial coin offerings? I don't know. Are they no idea? How about citizens and residents? <laughs> How about citizens and residents of the United States under the scope and purview of the Fourteenth Amendment? How about them? Well, they've already made a lot. You're clipping out. Um, you'll clip back in here in a second. Hold on. We, I'm, we missed everything you said. You clipped out. Oh, okay. I said that, uh, you know, because Bitcoin and all that is, is traded on some of the exchanges in the U.S., so you're saying well, so it's technically is, so, not legal. To, so is Garibars. No. no. I said participate in initial coin offerings. Oh, in the initial coin. Okay. Who are the only people in the world that cannot participate, and it doesn't matter which one it is? Citizens and Mm -hmm. residents of the United States. How can they put that control over this one group of people? Because you're in this slave system, in the feudal system, and your property, and they can attach man-made laws to you. That's why that is. See how no. these th- see how these things all interconnect. Well, I was reading that uh, that that book, Killing of Uncle Sam, that I showed you the other night, and it you know it it, it talks about all the oh the the Masons, and you know it leads up with uh, Cecil Rhodes and all that. They're you know. Creating the Masons and 
kind of interesting. I haven't finished it all, but... Well, it's all true. I'm sure everything in there is absolutely true. That history's out there, has been for a long time, if you really looked hard enough, and it's very documented. And Daryl, one of our regular, uh, you know, callers and co-hosts, if you will, uh, uh, often calls in and says it's an English deal, but it is. But the, our, our friends are always in the background. I'm watching a video right now. I just stumbled on it this morning. I sent it to... Uh, well, where was it? I sent it to Paul because it's called Unfinished Business, Britain's Slave Trade Documentary Timeline. And it's all on the British slave trade. And it's going through there and it's talking to these guys that are descendants from the big banking houses and all this stuff. And they're all Anglos. There ain't one Jewish name been mentioned or referred to yet. Okay? So... Uh, uh, they are very skillful about staying in the background, either from hiding their identity or pulling, getting control of somebody and puppeteering them with their strings. Well, uh, here's a perfect example. The Balfour Declaration. You've stumbled on that, right, Cody? Oh, I believe. I can't remember all the details. Well, the Balfour Declaration is a simple declaration. It was written from Lord Balfour to uh, Jacob or one of the Rothschilds, okay, the the King Penn Rothschild at the time, Jacob, whatever, and just saying we're going to give you this land down there. Okay. Well, evidently, Rothschild. Oh, that, that wrote, was the South Africa. That was no, South no, no, Africa, no, no. This right? is this is Israel, man. They gave them Israel. It was called the Balfour oh, okay. Declaration. It's how okay. they it's how they got the U.S. into World War One. They promised the Jews promised them if they'd give them this declaration, giving them this land down there, they'd drag the U.S. U.S. into World War One, and that's what they did. Okay, and but mm-hmm. the recently it said Rothschild wrote the letter and sent it to Balfour. Balfour just put it on Her Majesty's letterhead and sent it back to him. Mm-hmm. The uh, well, it's like the trans. There's that transfer agreement transfer that a lot of people agreement, don't know about. Very important. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like many people have said they they need to put a statue of Adolf Hitler in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem over there because without him they wouldn't have that little country. Yeah, it was just it was interesting though that they were actually able to pick and choose which Jews went. You know, it's just uh, not only that they pick and choose. They would take the ones and put them through a week-long interrogation education process, and if they didn't pass through that, they didn't go. They went back to the camps. Hmm. Interesting. Well, basically, this this killing uncle. Well, I'll tell you about that Killing Uncle Sam, because you probably know some of that history. He talks about Cecil Rhodes, and he was involved in the Kimberlite uh, diamond mining in South Africa. And somehow he was buddy with one of the Rothschilds, and they backed him. And in the end, I guess the Rothschilds ended up owning you know, most of those mines down there. And I forget, when you're talking about the Balfour Agreement, I was forgetting what the name of the one agreement was that gave Rhodes, he was like governor over a huge area in there, and they wanted to create... A, a big tr- you know train system all the way from Egypt to South Africa. It just it was kind of interesting history. Right. He was a pedophile. He had yes. his he had his angel boys or whatever you know. So it's interesting how all that ties into oh. you know what others talk about with the pedophile it, rings. It always it always comes back to that. Now, do you know Rhodes' history, Cody? His, well, the, what, the book talked quite a bit about it with Oxford and, and Ruskin, some of that. Talk there. about John Ruskin. 
I think it did. I don't remember exactly. John that Ruskin part of it, was his professor at Oxford that influenced him so heavily in this British worldview that the world never sets on the British Empire, evidently. Okay. Ruskin yep. had a very good friend that he would go over and spend time with a lot. Uh, and he had two daughters, and Ruskin actually went over to their house and would teach the daughters a, a watercolor painting. Okay? <laughs> and <laughs> that guy's name was, well, his, I, I don't remember what his name was, but I remember what his pen name was. And his name is Lewis Carroll. Does that ring a bell with you? No, I don't believe he was in this. Well, he wrote Alice in Wonderland, the most popular child's story of all time. When's the last time you watched oh, okay. Alice in Wonderland, Cody? No, oh, I haven't watched it, but you said you had watched it the other day. What was the I reason for, for that? Well, because it's the basis of everything that's going on that we're talking about right here and the origins of it. Uh, and I'd suggest right. anybody, if you'd like to be cheerfully entertained, now that you understand the concept of dialectics and how everything is set up in opposites, to go back and go right. to YouTube and put Alice in Wonderland Disney and watch one of those versions of the original. Let me quote some Alice in Wonderland to you, Cody. I've got it there okay. in the front page of my book. Um, and I found it on the front page of a legal research book from NOLO Press out there at the University of California. Mm. Okay, And it says, okay. when I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means exactly what I say it means, no more, no less. The question is, said Alice, how can you make a word mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, who is to be master? That's all. What kind of child's mm -hmm. play language is that, Cody? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Now here in the yeah. opening part of it, Alice is sitting up on a branch with her cat and she's going, if I had a world of my own, everything would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And what it is, it wouldn't be. You see? <laughs> the dialectic. It's right there. The whole story is based around this, and that was the origins of it. And this guy that wrote it was John Ruskin's best friend, and John Ruskin influenced Cecil Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... And if you go, interestingly, when I was writing the book and doing the research, I guess uh, maybe on the original manuscript, because it was years ago, I popped onto Wikipedia and started looking at Alice in Wonderland, and they had the most wonderful picture of these statues in Central Park in New York City with the Mad Hatter and Alice and all of the characters on a toadstool. And I looked at it and I said, I guarantee you the Rockefeller Foundation put that there. And did you find out that they had? Or? I never did research it any further. There's enough proof to me to see it pictured in the park right there. Well, in this book talks about Carnegie. He was the one that supported, I guess, once he sold his company, he, he funded the Hague yeah. court system. Yeah. Uh, 
trying to remember but more they, details well, it, on it's that. A, it's a, it's a, a well-connected network, and the Rothschilds would take these people that had made industries like Carnegie, and they would be co-opted because that's where their mindset was, or able to be co-opted, and they would utilize it to build this structure, man. I mean, listen, this thing is solid and slick, and as you get into it, and you start seeing how they've set this up and how they've done all this stuff and how one thing that they did depended on the next thing being set up for them to accomplish, it's an incredible feat that they've accomplished. And I respect them to the hilt. I hate them as sure as the sun's going to set this evening, okay? But I respect them. Right. You don't have to like somebody to respect them. I have a healthy respect for my enemy. That's why I've diligently so many years went after next layer, next layer, next layer. And it took me 15 years, Cody, until I saw that passport application. But I had the background when I saw it to know what it is and what it represents and why it's structured the way it is. And what everybody misses, and I've been having a conversation right before the show started, I okayed your request here on Skype and another guy that's new, and I had a little conversation with him right before the show started, and he's new too. He heard me on Graham's show a couple of weeks ago, been listening to archives and this, that, and the other, and is getting his arms around it. And his deal was exactly what your deal was Saturday night is he can't believe that you can submit a piece of paper to some person and relieve yourself of all this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you think they're going to harass you anyway, you know. But let me tell you, no, see, it's it's just the opposite. They don't harass you. Evidently, they don't touch you. I put out an open call right here, right now. Cody's on the air with us. Is there anybody that's gone through this process or heard or knows anybody that's gone through this process that's had one piece of blowback? Call in now, please. Now, Shane, Shane's on the air with us here. Uh, one of my early students, yes. uh, Cody, meet Shane, and Shane, meet Cody. Shane, Hello, Cody. why don't you yeah, tell hey, him? Shane. Hey, why don't you tell him your experience, Shane? Well, my experience is that I was adopted. I was born in Kansas, and um, I was adopted. My parents they kind of like separated when I was three years old. I moved out here to California, Palo Alto, all that good stuff. Um, we had a pretty much a uh, a diverse um, population. Um, everyone was trying to go against the grain of the uh, government and stuff like that because I'm really close to uh, Stanford as well as uh, Berkeley. Uh, the thing is, is um, I <clears throat> was going to make a trip to um, Russia, so I had to get a passport. I, I read the passport that the uh, that the situation was either I. <clears throat> I'm a um, U.S. Uh, citizen, uh, and, Shane, and that's pretty much all I can apply for, yes. Shane, hold on. Let Sorry. me, let me yes. abbreviate you here because I didn't want to go into a long right. diatribe. I wanted you to say I'm half black, I'm half white, oh, yeah. and I was adopted, okay? And so yes. even oh. Shane got an affidavit through, see? And, and, and how many years ago was that, Shane? Uh, probably uh, April 14th of uh, 2016, I believe. Have you experienced any blowback from since you did that? None, none. I actually they they 
they run and hide when I'm when I'm present. Okay. They run and hide when I'm present. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Shane. I'm gonna call because we got joined here. So you don't, our, so you don't well, bother filing any taxes or anything to keep him off your back. He doesn't have to. He does not required to file. He's um, not a citizen of the United States or a resident. He now qualifies, as he stated in his affidavit, that he was a non-resident alien, as it applied to the Internal Revenue Code. But let me bring in another guy here, Cody, and that's a, another one of our good black listeners that's filed an affidavit, and he was a taxi driver in Las Vegas when he first, like, started coming on the program a lot. Hey, Robert, how you doing, man? I was in blueback. Two what? guys in black uh, kidnapped me for 12 days. Oh, I was yeah. <laughs> He's also full of CRAP, Cody. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's doing a little smaller prank there. Yeah. No, it's true. The, the paper filed with the Department of uh, uh, State, at the Secretary of State in Washington, D.C., that, that's your nexus. And no, despite that guy on George Riley's show, it is not the Social Security number. <laughs> so... So what do guys do though? If you're working for somebody and they're they're wanting to withhold taxes, then you, well, you, you get got, people to stop I would, withholding. I'd go in and do the maximum withholding, and then you just they won't take much out. And pro and I'm you know I don't have all the answers, Cody. I've just got the big answer because yeah. I don't know everybody's individual particular situation like Shane's and like some of these others that come to us. But I do know the principle, and I know how it works, and I know that once you file this and you put them on notice, that they can't come after you, and they won't. No. no. Okay. Hmm. But that's a good question that you asked, uh, Cody. If you want to follow up on that, a good guy to uh, – he won't be on the air today because of the holiday, but Jim Ram, who follows Roger, call okay. him and ask that question you just asked about withholding. He can probably help you out with that because he, he knows that uh, quite well. He's okay. gone through without you. So, so uh, definitely give him a call yeah. tomorrow if you can. Here's ten o'clock. Yeah, he he's on after me sure. at noon, and I didn't know yeah. Jim taking the day off, but that's okay. Um, uh, I can tell you this that I learned in the early days is and came to realize is you see no company's going to go fight your battles for you. And if you're going to go in there and uh, be telling them this or that, the other, they're going to turn on you because they're more scared of the IRS than you are. All right. It's all things done with intimidation and fear, man. But I would say what I would do if you were in an employer situation, now that I've had a moment to think about it, is the way – see, here's the problem we had. When, when I got into this, my teachers were totally tax-oriented. That was their deal. John was a tax guy till the day they put him in the grave. All right, and so that was their primary focus. I hated taxes. I had a a, a cross swords with the IRS. They're in the federal courtroom in in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, I had an IRS agent on the stand for four and a half hours one afternoon, buddy, and she hated my guts. Okay, and so I went through all that, and I said, hell, there's got to be a better way to approach this. All right, because it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. If anybody's ever tried to do it, Chris, if he's, uh, Chris, our buddy's in all kinds of legal stuff, has been for years, okay? He can answer, it's a nightmare, all right? And so mm-hmm. that's when I stepped back and started looking more at, at another angle, and that's how this all came about, all right? And so um, 
hey, I forgot to where the hell I was going with the with the story, but that was my background with it. And as I moved forward with it, I kept seeing, here's what happened to me. The, in the code, they'll call it, there's only two statuses. It's like I was telling you the, the other night. You've got to go back to basics here as you're figuring this out. There's only two statuses. Mm-hmm. You're either free or you're a slave. Do you agree with that? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, there ain't no other option. See, you're either one or you're the other of that. All right. And so I had that understood, and I understood the dialectical principle that everything was always opposites in the title of legislation and everything else. And I would keyed in from the very start, Cody. What drove me was that non-resident alien that I explained to you Saturday night in Title 26 CFR 1.1-1A, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. If they went to those lengths to do that, man, there's got to be some deep stuff under here, okay? And that drove me, all right? And so I knew that there was only two, and I understood what that non-resident alien was. But every time in the code, if you're reading and studying, they change the label. They call it a, a something else, a U.S. national over here and a something else over there and two or three different labels on it, and you never could pin it down, all right? Mm-hmm. But he, here's the, I guess it's one of those funny things, and I think stick in your subconscious. Early on in the course of this, in the first six months that John and Glenn were still actively teaching, one of the students from Nebraska had written the Secretary of State of Nebraska and asked them for a state certificate or some type of a letter that they were Nebraska state citizens. Because that's originally what what the status is, a state citizen. Okay, and mm-hmm. the, the Secretary of State of Nebraska wrote him back with this beautiful gold embossed letter. Man, it was ab- seal of the state on there in colors. It was beautiful, and uh, that so and so is a proud citizen of the state of Nebraska. All right, well, all of us wanted one because they flashed it around through the group. It's still on the web. You can still find it. Somebody sent it to me, a copy of it a couple of years ago. Um, and okay. uh, so all of us wanted one of those. Well, I wrote the Secretary of State of the state of Florida, because that's where I was born, and asked them for one, and they wrote me back, and they said, no, we can't do something like that. I said, the Secretary of State of the United States has all has final authority on all matters concerning citizenship. Now that was within the first year, year and a half I was in this, okay? And it did I didn't know enough to understand what they were telling me, all right? But that mm-hmm. line and sentence from that authority telling me that statement stuck in my subconscious. And years later, when I picked up a passport for the first time, an application, and right there at the top is Department of State, and underneath it, passport application, and then right at the top was this warning box. They, they bury it in the, in the instructions now, but back then, mm-hmm. on that printed one, it was right at the top, and it says warning. Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked at that? In the passport application? No. Okay. Well, it says warning in big black bold letters, like on the side of a drug and stuff. It's 
It's called the warning mm-hmm. box, okay? Now it says you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits. But if you lie on it, we're going to hit you with this court section, this statute, this statute, and they string cite about six or seven different statutes there to intimidate the hell out of you. But I understood mm-hmm. that it was the feudal system, and when they said that word affidavit, hell, I'd had one of those things on file for 15 years. I just didn't send mm-hmm. it to the right place. And do you know why they believe me? And this is a conversation I was having with the other guy right before the show started. They don't want to put that in there, but they've got to because it's the feudal system and they've got to tell you you can volunteer out because it's voluntary. See, the other side of that coin is all those times they've asked you in life, are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? Sure, sure. Sign something. There, they're getting your consent to this system. Consent of a government. Because the ignorance of the law is no excuse. Hell, if I ask you if you're a damn slave and it's in coded language or not, Cody, you ought to know what the hell you are, shouldn't you? Yeah. See, well, what was Daryl saying the one day he was talking about the United States, the way it's worded on the Bill of Rights? You know, well, there's so the a theory. Group, the theory is the states are independent, technically, right? I mean, what's the, the theory is that the original format from the way the country was founded was changed around the Civil War and federalized, and it's not the United. It's not the Constitution for the United States of America. It's the Constitution now of the United States, the federal corporation. In essence, that's what they're saying, and to a large extent, I believe they're correct. Okay, the 14th yeah. Amendment and the way it is applied now totally changed our form of government. There's a wonderful site. I wish I had it right at my fingertips. I don't, but I can tell you the case. It's called Downs v. Bidwell. Downs okay. v. Bidwell, just like it's spelled, it sounds. And it's part of okay. a group of cases from the start of last century that's called the Insular Cases. Okay, and it's when what the reason they call it that is because there was a whole bunch of cases that came to the court that dealt with the way we were taking over territories in the Pacific back then. Okay, like when they were setting up American Samoa. All right, and so the they lumped them all together and they call them the insular cases. On the Supreme Court at that at that time was a guy named John Harlan who is nicknamed the Great Dissenter. And he wrote an opinion in that Downs v. Bidwell case that says, gentlemen, what we have here is two different types of governments coming to the bar. One mimics the European monarchies that have had such a devastating effect, and the other is our free Republican form of government. If something isn't clarified and done about this, we will end up under that form of government. See, Bidwell saw him setting it up. Because they set it up with they set it up with the Fourteenth Amendment, and then they had to have a place to hide the old state citizen. Because they can't just do away with him; they've got to hide it. And that's when they were setting it up when they were taking over those uh, uh, territories in the South Pacific, so they can put in the code: a U.S. national is a guy born in American Samoa, Saint Kitts Island, and the outlying territories. So what are the outlying territories from two little little 
uh, hardly there's Cody coming back in. Two little bitty countries in the middle of nowhere on the other side of the world. A little bitty island called American Samoa have got these state citizens' rights. Okay? So they can put in the code outlying territories and fool you. Mm-hmm. Well, who who was Downs and Bidwell then? Well, I don't know. You can go back and read the case and get the history okay. of it. These just got they had but some that's... issue that came up and went to a court case and it went to the Supreme Court and it's in there. I don't remember the particulars of it. I just know the significance of it, and it's even more significant well, by the fact that that Justice uh, that Harwell was the justice because he was so infamous in his. Uh, writings that they nicknamed him to this day the great dissenter and re- I'll tell you one thing I've learned Cody if you want to ever read start reading court cases all the patriots all they read is the affirmative side very few people ever read the dissents the answers are always oh. in the dissents who was going to say something Robert is that you I can give you an example of that yeah, in a second. Didn't Bruce Haber kind of touch on that state citizenship also? Well, here's what happened with Bruce Haber. Uh, when Bruce, Bruce Haber versus Union Pacific Railroad, Cody, do you know about that case? No. Uh-uh. All right. It was the first case that tested the new 16th Amendment. So it was back around uh, mm. uh, 1915, 16. And Bruce Haber. Bruce Haber? Brush, B-R-U-S-H-A-B-E-R. Brush okay, Haber versus, versus uh, Union, Union Pacific? Pacific Railroad. Okay. And the case there was Brush Haber had some Union Pacific Railroad bonds, and they were trying to charge him income tax under the 16th Amendment on these on the what he got back from the bonds. Now, okay. It, you don't want to read the case as long as boring. There's nothing any significance, but you can read the synopsis online, and there is something of great significance in there. And if they hadn't changed it, is that during the course of the trial, Frank Brushhaber brought his attorney brought out that he was claiming to be a non-resident alien. Now that was never ruled on in the the decision. It was brought up in the trial. However, when there is any Supreme Court decision that deals with taxes, they take the decision over to the Treasury and they immediately write what's called a Treasury decision. TD is what they call it. Okay. And when the Bush Haber case was decided, and I've seen this with my own eyes at Emory's Law Library in Atlanta, uh, the, the Secretary of the Treasury was the treasurer of the United States, accurately. I don't think they had a secretary of the treasury back then. The treasurer of the United States was McAdoo because that's an mm-hmm. unusual name, and it was signed at the bottom. McAdoo's pretty famous through history and government, too. Uh, and in that, mm-hmm. the very first sentence of treasury decision, I think it's 2314 uh, is, the, is the number of it, and it says, Frank Brushhaber, a citizen of the state of New York, and a non-resident alien. A citizen of New York and a non-resident alien. And that's in a Treasury decision. I think that this, the Treasurer of the United States probably understands it better than I do. Yeah. 
So that's where yeah, they got no the doubt. idea of <laughs> taking that phrase and laying up all this resin. Well, why? Uh, you know, obviously he was white. He wasn't black because uh, the residents back then were black. That was the whole thing that was enumerated by the 14th Amendment. See? Uh, so basically, you'd be we're a, a citizen of the state, and we're a non-resident alien of the United States. Is that the that's no? The theory? No, hold it, and I know this is confusing, and you've got to understand they've compartmentalized much of this. The non-resident alien thing only O N L Y applies to the tax code. Okay. Okay, remember, if a so lawyer... So when you go through customs and they ask you if you're a citizen, you can say yes, and you're not giving up... Well, you're not, no. Right. Well, you, well, I'll tell okay. you what you could do. When you go through customs, first of all, they ain't going to ask you. It's embedded in your passport. When they, uh, But when you come through, should they ask you, I would say, are you asking me if I'm a citizen of the United States or I'm a citizen of the United States of America? That's how I'd reply to that. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? The United States One of, of them, America is the corporation? No. The United, the United States is the corporation. The United States of America is the nation. Therefore, if you're a citizen of that, you're called a national. See here, originally you couldn't be a citizen of the United States of America unless you were a state citizen. If you'd been born and raised in D.C., Cody, you couldn't be a citizen of the United States. Because you weren't a state okay. citizen, you were in a territory. So then you were considered a non-resident alien? I don't know what? what the hell you were considered back then. It was a lot of very contentious discussion that led up to the 14th Amendment because of the previous case that had received so much attention called the Dred Scott decision from up there in your part of the country. Okay. Okay, and that was the big problem. All right, and there was in the slaughterhouse cases. I want to welcome Gary here in a second. In the slaughterhouse cases, there's a very eloquent uh, couple of paragraphs, and that's what it says. It says in the day there was much talk in the journals. People were talking about it, and it was a lot of discussion over this issue because if you were born and raised in D.C. or the territories, you not only were not a citizen of the nation, you were in capable of becoming so by anything short of a passage of an amendment to the Constitution. And that led up to the 14th Amendment, another part of it. Hey, Gary, what's going on, man? You having a good Labor Memorial Day here? Uh, doing fine, Raj. Thank you. And uh, greetings, everyone. Uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, taking a break and from, from work and all and just uh, wanted to peek in and, and say hey. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. You know, you, you often talking about, uh, talk about having, having a big curious going on. Well, well I do. And, uh, and now that you're on the topic and all, and it's along that vein and, um, and as I'm leading up to cutting the cord here shortly, uh, you know, learn, uh, reading and, and, and just, uh, just taking in so much, um, I thought, or a question popped in my head wondering, okay, once you leave this system, this uh, feudal system, uh, are you leaving legally or are you leaving lawfully? You're, and I'm you're leaving both. Legally you're both. You're leaving both. Okay. 
You see, the problem, okay. here's the problem they've got, and this is in the discussion right before the show with that other guy, is he, I said, you see, if they tell you what you are, which is what Cody and them are saying, that they're going to absolutely tell you what you are. Well, that's considered tyranny under Vettel's Law of Nations, and every country in the right. world adheres to Vettel's Law of Nations. It was written in the 1700s, Cody. It, you find it easily okay. on the web, and it's the basis of all the law in the world. Every country in the world signed on to Vettel. Okay, and Vettel makes a statement in there. Every man has the personal right of personal self-political determination. In other words, it's your choice, not theirs. It, and this is why. If they tell you what you are, hey, Cody, you're a slave. That's considered tyranny. That's why they've had to go to these links to set this system up with all these dialectics and tricks so that they can say, hey, Cody, are you a citizen of the United States? Hey, Cody, are you a resident? And you don't know what the words mean and volunteer yes and give them now the constitutional mandate they require. And that's the consent of the governed. They've got your consent all throughout your life, Cody, that you're in voluntary servitude under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment. Why should I expect anything else? I ask him. This is what he told me. Well, doesn't. What about the Constitution saying the consent of the governed? That, so that's what he you got. Say, can, you, can you personally say I don't give consent, and that's why that's, they have to? That, that's allow what it? You, that's what you're doing when you file an affidavit with the Secretary of State. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm going to look that up in the Constitution because that's interesting. It says the consent of the governed, but you wouldn't think that individually they would allow you to to non-consent. But maybe they have, maybe to. They have to. They have to because it's the feudal era. They understand this. We don't. We, here's the story John used to tell. Okay, Cody, maybe I can get it across to you this way. We're just out of bat. We're, we're right towards the basketball finals. You're up there from that part of the country. Basketball's pretty big up there where you live, isn't it? Oh, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a basketball okay. fan. Okay, well, it doesn't matter whether you're a basketball fan or not. Just play along with me, okay? So, the feds, we put together, we put together a team, all right? And the feds say, we want to have a basketball tournament game with you. Winner takes all. And a bunch of upstart patriots go, all right, man, we can whip these guys behinds. And we go out there and we practice up and we go out to the game and we got our Nikes on and we're out there dribbling and shooting, <laughs> shooting some warm-up shots and doing layups and stuff, right? Well, the feds come out and they come out, but they don't have Nikes on. They got these black shoes on with this metal on the bottom and they're not dribbling. They're taking this stick and throwing this thing around that's hard as steel at 100 miles an hour. Who do you think's going to win mm -hmm. that game, Cody? Right, yeah. Well, that's what's going on. Yeah. We it's haven't known the work. game that's being played. We haven't well, known the, the better, rules, and now we well, do. Well, the better way to explain it to people, maybe, the, you know, where it says the consent of the governed in the Constitution, you can just non-consent to 
Well, yeah. To their game. Well, they tell it you right in the They tell you in the passport application you can attach documentation, including affidavits. But you better not lie. They don't tell you what you can attach them to it about. They just tell you you better not lie, and they're required to tell you that you can do it. Do you know why, Cody? No. Okay. A number of years ago when Watergate and all that stuff, Robert, just let me get this out of the way because it's important. This is why they have to do that. Sure, please. Okay? And that's because after Watergate, there was a big scandal, and they passed this legislation called the Paperwork Reduction Act. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Okay. Well, that means that every agency in the federal government for any piece of paper that is considered to be a public information gathering request, that's specific Mm -hmm. bureaucratic language, a public information gathering request has to first be sent to the Office of Management and Budget. And everything on that form has to hit all these requirements before it is assigned a number and it has an OMB number on it so it can be distributed to it to get information, okay? And that's why they have to put it in there because if they didn't put it in, it was a voluntary system that wouldn't get an OMB number. And they said it. They used to say it in the application. And when I started talking about it on the year eight years ago, they've changed the passport application because of what I'm teaching here, all right? And in that old application they were talking about in the section on OMB, it says every form, and it goes over this story, has to have an OMB number. And the statement they made in there was often this is difficult to do because our citizenship laws are so complex. And when I told that to Glenn the first time, Glenn replied, I guess they are complex. They'll send you to federal prison for 15 years just trying to teach them. He should know. Uh. Okay. So, and let me show you the rest of the application. They never ask you what you are. The presumption, it's presumed from birth of what you are. And they ask you all through life, are you this, are you that? Yep, sure am, boom, 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 okay? But in the passport application, because you're required to, it's a document that's going to show your status internationally. That's why it's got so much importance attached to the Secretary of State office, okay? And uh, in that application, here's how they ask you. Warning, you can attach documentation or affidavits. Don't lie. We're going to hit you with all these laws, okay? And then they again reaffirm that in the oath. But in between, they never ask you what you are. They don't say, are you a U.S. national? Are you a citizen of the United States or what? But guess who they do ask about? Hmm. Guess who they do ask about, Cody? About Cody. I'm not sure. Your parents. This is confusing. <laughs> they ask about your parents. They say, was your brother uh, a citizen of the United States? Was your father a citizen of the United States? Yep, yep, click, click. Why do they ask you that, Cody? Because you're automatically what they were. Because if they were citizens involuntary servitude you were born into the same condition pal and what they're asking you is were your parents and slaves involuntary servitude yep yep well you can attach a war an affidavit or documentation at the first now at the oath have you looked at the oath on the passport application cody 
Oh, it's been eight years ago. Okay. Last time I filed well, for all right. So. Well, I guarantee you, if you looked at it again, you'd pay a lot closer attention. All right. Because it says, I, at first uh, there above the oath, it says, stop, S-T-O-P, in big letters, bold. Do not sign this document unless you're in the presence of an administrative officer. Have you ever, okay. let me ask, you're, you're in your early 40s here, Cody. Have you ever signed any yeah. other document where they said you had to be in front of somebody to sign it or else if they weren't there, you've got to go in front of a judge to sign it? Oh, no, it's usually just either witnessed or notarized. I'm not sure. Right. No, I'm not well, this one, they want you in front of the official or they, if he ain't there, a small little post office, they want you in front of a judge to sign it. That's how important they consider this. All right. And the oath says, I swear under penalty of perjury that I'm a citizen of the United States, parentheses, or a non-citizen national, close parentheses and have not since acquiring United States citizenship, parentheses, or non-citizen nationality, close parentheses, violated any of the acts and conditions in section so-and-so of these instructions, and another parentheses here, unless explanatory statement is attached, close parentheses. Again, I swear under penalty of perjury, this is what they've added. This is how they've changed it since I started teaching this stuff. There's another on the bottom of the oath says, I swear that I have read the warrant and understand. I have read and understood the warning box on page so-and-so. That's what they've yeah. put in there, okay? They did it to cover their asses, all right? But right there, they're telling you, well, I'm either a citizen of the United States or a non-citizen national. Well, those are mutually exclusive terms. One can't be the other. We already know you're either free or you're bond. There ain't no other choices. But the teller, the teller is, before they changed it here even more recently, was they say, have not violated any of the acts and conditions. Well, why would they tell you in the oath to attach an explanation when they don't tell you to attach something on your status? above it that's mentioned twice in that same oath. Do you see all the, if you, if you understand that it's the feudal system, you can read all that into it. If you don't know we're in the feudal system, it, you, you don't even pay any attention to it. Like tens of millions or hundreds of millions haven't and have consented into their own servitude. We're enslaved between our ears, man. Yeah, Raj? Yes, Gary. Uh, Gary, yeah, before you launch that, off, that, let me tell Cody. Gary stumbled onto us look, because he's a truth seeker on the internet, on a YouTube, started listening to the show, probably thought I was crazy, and has been a real good listener for what, a year and a <laughs> half now, Gary? Yeah, very good. A year and a half. Yep, yep, right at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting that with Chris's excellent find recently, in the travel.gov, that one line that all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, that that really brings home all the point all the more that when you declare you're a non-citizen national, that you have to have that in the front of that label. Otherwise, it's a 
you're either a U.S. citizen or a national. Well, we all know now everyone's a national, a U.S. national, but you have to have that non-citizen national. And so that separates. Well, hold on, hold on, Gary. No, not necessarily, because that document from state is trying to differentiate with that statement the other status where they've hidden everything. So they're because that's where they've hidden all the old states' rights. And the reason they had to come out and say it that bluntly is they're setting the line to compare it to. Cody, what they basically say in that document is all citizens of the United States are nationals, but not all nationals of the United States are citizens because those people are born and raised in American Samoa and they've got the state's rights moniker and they can't give them 14th Amendment birthright citizenship or it'd blow the whole system they've set up. So American Samoa, are are they're under common law then, correct? Yes, they're under common law. If you commit abortion in American Samoa today, they're going to charge you with murder. The people in American Samoan owns their land with no bank or property deeds. They own their land in a loyal title. And depending on how they own their land depends on who sits in the legislature that governs the country. They want the goodies. They've gone to tried to get it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court won't take the case. They can't because it'll blow the lid on the whole thing. They want these birthright citizenship goodies. They want access to all this stuff, but the U.S. can't give it to them because it blows the whole system. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have to keep the cover on. Yep. I mean, there's several cases. Uh, Cody, I've got a recent one, actually, from out in Utah. I'd kind of been meaning to follow up and see if I could track down the Samoan attorneys because in the end of the article, they're trying to get some of these birthright citizenship rights for the American Samoans, all right? And they can't get them. And at the end of the article, the Samoan lawyers make this statement. There's two types of citizenship in this country. They don't know why. They just know there is because they're fighting it through the legal system. Well, I think Daryl's joining us. I think uh, So anyway, I want you to meet Gary because yeah. Gary's kind of new, and, and he's coming along, and it's taken you about a year and a half, Gary, to get up to the point where you've got confidence to do this, Right. Correct. And, and also, I will admit, for a number of months, there was that fear factor. I'll, I'll admit, right up front. And, you know, because you're, you're conditioned all your life for so many decades, and, you know, the big bad wolf out there, and come to find out, shoot, I got the power. And, and, uh, and they've, they've pulled the fraud over the veil over all of us, and... And then you come to find out that, you know, just like that in that uh, the Bugs Life movie, that little simple little animated movie, you know. And uh, so it just, yeah, it, once, you, once you realize that you have the power and you're stepping back into, I was thinking about this, you know, once you cut the cord, you're stepping back into that pre-Civil War mode. Jeffersonian and, America. And, uh, Jeffersonian America. Jeffersonian. You're right. 
And you're and you're a state citizen then, really, right? Yep. Under but, common law. Okay. Under the dialectical principle that we know the whole system's set up on, what's the dialectic of a state citizen? U.S. citizen. A national citizen. A national. Okay. Okay. And what do they what yeah. do they call you? A U.S. national. U.S. national. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they hid it with United. all these all this wordplay. Let me let me let Daryl in yep. here because Daryl, why don't you tell? Why don't you talk to Cody for a minute here with what your experience? Oh, hi, hi, Roger, uh, Gary, Cody, Shane, Chris. Is hey, somewhere. Chris is in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I feel I feel his presence. So. Yeah, I, I've had uh, excellent results uh, up to this point. Uh, I tend to push the limits a little bit. So um, um, it's been it's been to my benefit to uh, avail myself of uh, knowledge and experience and the hard work of others. It, it hasn't been comfortable, it hasn't been convenient, and it has been somewhat complicated. But in order to... Uh, uh, find your identity as to who you are. Uh, this is why people are so fearful. Fearful uh, is uh, like Gary was saying. He overcame his fear. Well, he overcame his fear fundamentally because he is becoming secure in his real identity. And so, culturally, they destroy. Uh, culturally, this is a cultural war too. They destroy your identity so that you are. Um, uh, mm, compliant to them and uh, you don't know anything else so um, without having your real identity uh, you become insecure this is why broken families are so important to them they have to have broken families so that they can destroy people's identity so then they become acquiescent to the state identity that's provided for them the truth is, and uh, when you um, uh, go back to what your real identity is supposed to be, if you're free, not bond, uh, all of a sudden you grow a set, you get up off your hind legs, stand up on your legs, and you have courage. And this is something that is a, an anathema to these people. Uh, they, they don't want you to demonstrate any knowledge, intellect, courage, or uh, so, um, so then I have a question for Cody because I've been listening pretty much the whole show, and I've been okay. listening. So I have a question. I have a couple questions for you, Cody. Sure. All right. Don't take them personal. Uh, it, it'll sound personal, but don't take it personal. Uh, I'm I'm like a big brother or uncle that'll put you in a headlock and give you a noogie. So, <laughs> um, uh, he, you know, they do it with love. So, uh, you consider yourself to be a literate person, Cody? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Can you define that? Can you tell me what literacy literate. means? Literate. Literate. What makes you literate? You know, fairly well read, you know. Um, understand English language, I guess, at a fairly high level. Um, His Spanish is a little lacking, I though. <laughs> My Spanish is lacking, uh, for sure. I, ha- I have trouble. Maybe I have trouble with English. <laughs> but... Uh, Okay. Anyway, so yeah, where were you going with that question? Well, I, I'm just trying to point out to you that 
uh, I don't know what your background or expertise is or how you uh, you provide for yourself and your family through life. You, in the areas that you have operated in, have developed a level of skill and expertise, knowledge, proficiency, uh, you're very probably very literate. I would submit to you, as concerns the English language is as used in legal and lawful terms, you're not. Uh, and that uh, as concerns the deceptions that have been applied and how they apply to you, you're not. And so yeah. the first step, the first step is to identify that that you're only conditionally literate in areas that you're proficient at. Uh, they go to great steps, uh, great efforts generationally uh, to uh, indoctrinate people into illiteracy. And so, uh, so for for example, okay, you, you have to have literacy in civics. You have to have literacy in the law. You have to have literacy in the legal system. You have to be literate in understanding the words and the, and the purpose of the Bible. Uh, and uh, without that, that so constellation of literacy, uh, you'll find a hole, and they'll, they'll dig into it. They'll explode and, it. And the reason you have to have literacy in all these other areas is because that's what you're going to use to reclaim your identity and defend yourself. For example, here's a question. Sure. Another question would be like this. Okay. Uh, well, so somebody asked earlier, I, I think it might have been you, Cody, uh, did, are we uh, legally reclaiming our identity or lawfully reclaiming our identity? And then you had another comment about the Constitution, and I'm going to go back and read the Constitution. Okay. Yeah. And, well, the which consent is of well the government I, was, was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to thinking about that. The consent yeah. of the governed, you know, so can can you personally non-consent, or is that are they considering yeah. consent of the governor of the governed as a group? No, that's what they're telling well, you is that you, that's what, you can unconsent with this affidavit. They just don't tell you very clearly yeah. that you can do it. Yeah. Go ahead, Daryl. Right. Well, predi predicate to the descent of the governed uh, took place with your mom. <laughs> your mom determined the consent of the governed. All right, you didn't, and you fell into the condition that uh, you were assigned. All right, your mom decided that for you because you were uh, a baby. You were, you were, you couldn't make a contract. She could. So, I mean, you have to understand that part too. But I'll, I'll make a, I'll make a bigger. That's that's kind of deep, and that that kind of gets a little twisted. So let's let's take a common knowledge. Okay, we'll take a common knowledge question here. So let's go to the idea of the Constitution. Well, a lot of people say it's a law of the land. Okay, the superior law of the land. Okay, great. So then I have a question: Are treaties? Well, what are treaties? Are treaties law? Yes. Only only if are, they've been ratified by the. Congress, I think, is how the Constitution makes it. Yeah, our treaties, our our treaties, our treaties, law, are they uh, superior or inferior to the Constitution? Well, they should be inferior, but what? Yeah, they should be inferior. Well, well, you you think and and you think they should be, okay? But that's kind of like that's kind of like uh, everybody's fair and everybody's equal, and. And that's so that's a personal. Feeling. Well, it has it has okay. to be because you can't you can't supersede the Constitution without ratification of three quarters of the states, so they can say what they. I, I would want, just even if it's Paul, you could amend. I, you, 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 um, we're, we're talking about well, we're talking about commerce, 
and an international international uh, uh, law and contract. Oh, sure. And we're not but, we're not talking if, about if amending the Constitution. We have to stay on track here. Hold on, hold on. Well, no, we can't. It's, it's an amendment. We can't, we can't, we're on yeah. Skype. We can't duplex, <laughs> which means we can't both talk at the same yeah. time. Oh, okay. Right. So, so you, in order to to amend or add uh, to the Constitution, you you're exactly right. Okay. You you I I don't have a problem with that. But but that that's not treaty. That's not that's not international treaty, all right. Hey, let me ask so, Cody a question. So the question. point is, let me ask the point Cody, is, why do you okay, think okay. that why do all you right. think that they took away the states' rights to appoint senators to the Senate? The Seventeenth Amendment changed it, and now they're generally elected, so they can give them money and get their people in there because the Senate is the body that ratifies treaties only. It doesn't have to pass both the Senate and the House? Nope, nope. Treaties are ratified by the Senate exclusively. Oh, interesting. Well, their excuse was, because I've researched that, the excuse was to get rid of the senators is that there was so much corruption, and and then I guess corruption was the big thing in the state uh, legislators, and, they, and there was a lot of inaction. That took That's right. You but know, it was the only tie for the old states yeah. to have oh, that state. That was the excuse. The only tie, the way that the states had representation in the federal government was through the appointment of senators. The representatives are popularly elected. It was back to the states yeah, exactly. running the federal government. Well, that's a really good running, example. Run, federal yeah. government running that's the states. That's a good states. example. Okay. NAFTA, NAFTA is a treaty. Okay. And what, did, what did NAFTA do? Well, it, it it became superior. Uh, NAFTA became superior, and it it gutted and degraded the industrial capabilities, and su- and supported a a usurious uh, transnational corporate system. Okay. Well, that that was that by de facto, by fact, by observance, is superior to what people would think are their constitutional rights. Okay, became superior. Well, first you have of all, to be very careful with with be, uh, what these people are allowed to do in treaty, and these treaties are all about commerce. You got to be very careful and, with that uh, term you just used, constitutional rights. The only rights that that piece of paper gives you are under the scope and purview of the Fourteenth Amendment. Otherwise, it's restricted to protecting your rights as you were an original God-given child of the state. Yeah. So, uh, listen, uh, here, here's what you have to, you know, sort of come to terms with. Uh, it makes it easier, and that is is that the reasons the, the, the reasons you were given for and educated and what a lot of people still talk about, particularly on the talking head media, they're talking about, they're giving you the excuses, not the reasons. <laughs> okay, there's your, there's your dialectic again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, was was I educated and indoctrinated into the reason, or was I told the reason was the, the excuse is the reason? These are excuses for what they really want to do. All right, and this is why they they have to uh, they have to shut down and censor all the rest of the information so that you don't see the other side. As like Roger said earlier in these in these legal opinions, 
that people will look at the winning, the positive side. They don't look at the dissenting side. Well, what was it? What if if this was the outcome of it? What was the question? So <laughs> you kind know, of have to understand the question. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just this beautiful uh, dissenting opinion of Judge Harlan uh, that goes into this in great depth. Uh, it's, we don't have enough time on the show here to do it, but, uh, I mean, it's a whole show in itself. And, and he speaks to it directly. Uh, so they, they knew, they knew uh, shortly after the Civil War that uh, there, was, there was a usurpation uh, taking place. And it's just been uh, incremental step by step since then. The beauty of it is, is there is a way to, if you can untie the knots in your mind, and 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 re- regain your identity you'll regain your courage and it, that's the only reason that you'll find that most of people come come anywhere near the show is because they want to help other people do it and uh because it's helped us so, and so then you you have sort of a you have a you have a responsibility uh to to help others to yeah. duty. We see you're going to receive, if you ever go through this transformation, Cody, you're going to receive these God-given rights that very few people in the history of the planet have ever had the benefit of having. And part of a right is a duty. If you'll ask our mutual friend Brent, he says they're the same thing. Okay, But if you receive a right, you've got a correlative duty. And in this instance, what Daryl is alluding to is the same duty that drives me, is the same duty that drives him and many of our, uh, other of our listeners. And it's a self-replicating duty because when we pass it on to other people, we get stronger. And what I would quote you, uh, Cody, is what John Benson, my teacher, would quote us from this platform when he was teaching these weekend seminars. Okay. And he'd say, yeah. the only way that I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. Yeah. So so what's the long game? So let's say you get 100 million people to file this, and all of a sudden they don't have the income coming in. People aren't paying. I don't know what the long – Cody, I don't know what the long game is. The long game for me is is to try and free one slave at a time. And as Harriet Tubman said so eloquently, I freed a thousand <laughs> slaves, and I could have freed thousands more if they only knew they were slaves. Yeah, Cody, they – most you're surrounded. You're you're immersed, bathing, inundated in a sea of people who love their slavery. As a matter of fact, if you try to take their slavery away from you, they'll fight them, you. Some of them. They're gonna hurt you. They're gonna they're gonna hurt you. They're gonna fight you. They're they're gonna they're gonna come at you with claws and teeth. All right. So uh, freedom isn't for everybody. Uh, because that that's a personal choice, and with that personal choice comes responsibility. And uh, I mean, you know, just listen to the uh, the uh, the genocidal feminists scream about how uh, murdering their babies is a right, uh, but they they never ask what their responsibility is. So they they have liberty, they have liberty without consequences. This is this is the freedom. This is. This is the Jewish states of America. This is the Zionist political party state of America because we've been Zionified. Okay, these are all Jewish qualities. So your, your money system is Jewish, your justice system is Jewish, your, um, yeah, you, you, don't, 
You don't live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Get over it. You live, in the, you live in the land of the okay. fee. You live in the land of the fee and the home of the slave. Now, let me ask Cody a question here. On, okay. And this is a repulsive topic. It repulses all of us, all right? And that's abortion. What do you think they yeah. based Roe versus Wade on, Cody? <laughs> based it in terms of what? And their legal decision at the Supreme Court that still stands today that's murdered over 50 million children. Uh, what I, do you think I, they I don't know. It? I've never researched it. Okay, well, let me tell you I've what they base it on. The 14th Amendment. Because the 14th Amendment says all persons born. So if you're not born yet, you're not a person. You don't receive any protections. And if you're in the womb, guess what, buddy? You're fair game. Yeah. Because we're under the feudal system of the 14th Amendment. Now, we were talking about dissenting opinions a minute ago in the book. Uh, cover it. But uh, remember a few years back when Obama's birth certificate was a big deal? Yes. Do you remember the case that all those researchers used? No, I just know. Okay, I'm going to tell you which one it was. It, it, well, I'm going to tell you. Researchers have said that it's phony. Well, I'm not, I don't care about the birth certificate of Obama. Okay, I care about Wong Kim Ark, which is the case that they all use because it's the finest case in the history of our country that covers these issues, denizenship, citizenship, et cetera, et cetera. In the okay. dissenting opinion of Wong Kim Ark, and I think there was only one or two justices that signed on to it, was written by the Supreme Court's chief justice named Fuller. And Fuller nails it in there. And he says, if the amendment, he's talking about the 14th Amendment, bears the construction now put upon it, it brought the English common law rule into this country, that's the feudal system, for the first time. It made it permanent and unbending no matter of your place or circumstance. That's why they can tax you anywhere in the world, okay? And he goes on, it, it was the relationship of a liege man to a liege lord. You know where that language comes from? The feudal system, okay? And he lays it out right there, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, that the 14th Amendment's the feudal system. And he says it in pretty stark language. Wouldn't you guys agree? Daryl, you agree, right? I mean, you, the, I would like for oh, Daryl. Daryl, yeah. tell Cody your story. You stumbled into me on Joyce or Truth Frequency or somewhere. You were, it was your hour of discontent, and you were looking for answers. Well, yeah, hey Cody, I've been, I've been, I've been kicking around, looking in the weeds and under rocks uh, for I don't know. Uh, well, at this point, it's been about uh, 18 years, seriously, where I was seriously looking. And uh, I kept going, uh, oh, I don't know, somewhere around 2008. I just said, you know, there's got to be a way out of this. And I was really considering just leaving this this uh, place that's basically turned into a poop hole. And because uh, uh, I got skills. I mean, I could leave. And... Uh, I started digging, and I'd, I'd run into a little bit of truth here and a little bit of truth there, and Max Kaiser got my attention, and and I listened to AJ for a while until uh, he I, I figured out he was uh, really a, just a narcissistic sociopath. 
but uh, but he helped me a little bit, and and uh, you know you keep going down the rabbit trails, and you you keep looking online. Um, one day, uh, I ran across. To, I heard I heard Roger, uh, and uh, I heard him on. Uh, I think it was Joyce, and then I I, I caught up with him uh, over on an interview he did with a, a young guy that was on TFR for a while, and uh, who isn't there anymore? Red Pill Report. Yeah, right. that's that's who that was, Roger. Yep. And um, I, I listened. I listened to it once, and I only had to hear it one time. And I bought the book, and the book showed up, and I read it, and then I I sat down with it. <laughs> I sat down. This is right when the book first came out, and and I sat down with it. And because of my background, I'm a, I'm a, a teacher and instructor in aviation, and. And so I said, well, I'm, I need to learn this. And so I sat down and I, I bought a brand new spiral bound notebook, brand new one, new ink pen, sat down, outlined the whole book, outlined it. Mm-hmm. Okay. W- went through page by page, highlighted, went back, reviewed, highlighted, and then wrote my own, my own narrative, how it fit in my mind. And uh, at that point, then I felt like I had the basis of a foundation. How many years ago was that? I don't know. Is that is that six years, seven years ago, Roger? I don't know. Uh, I I lose a track of time. But um, and so then uh, what it did was it opened up a whole syllabus of instruction for me, where because I identified many areas where I was illiterate, <laughs> I was ignorant, and I had to say to myself, oh. I just so much I don't know, and I was fearful because I had stuff to lose. All right, I wasn't I wasn't in trouble with anybody, but I had stuff I could lose, or I thought I was going to lose, and so that fear actually drove me to study harder <laughs> mm-hmm. and dig deeper, because I'm not the kind of guy that's just verbally going to have to talk about stuff I have to be very careful about what I think about and talk about because I do I'm not a watcher I'm a doer and so I knew me and I knew I was going to do and in order to do I had to prepare just like I would for taking a jet airliner from DC out to LA you better prepare and so I started making preparations part of that was instruction, learning, reading, being critical, uh, identifying what I didn't know about a lot of different things. And when I finally reached uh, a critical mass of, uh, I actually know what I'm talking about and I can defend it, not just believing, not feeling, but knowing, then I acted, all right? I did it with confidence. And I don't know, what was that, uh, five years ago, uh, something like that. Uh, it's worked out really good for me. Now, and, Cody, and now let me, I let just me, feel... Let me add, yeah, to, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but Cody, I never even heard from Daryl until he'd already done all this stuff and filed an affidavit. Cody. Okay. He never even contacted me with one question. 
Yeah, well, I, I listened every day, and uh, and I listen to a lot of people. I, I take a, take in a lot of information, and the more information I've taken in, the more I've been able to parse out who is the false agents, or the ignorant, or the controlled opposition, or um, or somebody who's just trying to make a buck off you. So you. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really good talkers out there like Limbaugh and Hannity, and and they just want to make a buck off you. You know, I mean, they uh, they're not going to ever provide you with anything that even approaches a personal remedy. And so, what I decided, okay, is that I had to learn how to save myself in this system. Okay, I'm not talking spiritually, but in this system, I had to learn how to defend myself. Okay. And and before we start worrying about all these other people out here, you better start taking care of. I had well, I don't know. I can't tell you to do that. I had to start taking care of myself before I could help. You know, it's it's like we would tell people in the safety briefing on the airliner, in the event of a uh, rapid decompression and your oxygen mask falls from your overhead container, and you're flying with a child, put your safety, put your oxygen mask on first before you help somebody else. You've got to put your own oxygen mask on before. <laughs> You start worrying about the kids and the other people around you, okay? And that's all this is. And, and then, uh, so uh, when when we hit a critical enough mass of people that uh, are competent at this, then uh, I suppose there'll come a time when we're a political force to be reckoned with. But it uh, it won't be in their system. It'll be because we're out of this system. Correct. Okay, you're not going to reform their system. You're not. Re- well, I'm not advocating that you try to reform their system. That is their system. Leave them alone. Yep. Okay. Get out of their system. There's the dialectic. Well, we have to vote. We have to. No, that's their system. Okay. We have our. We have a completely different one. It's called state national, U.S. national, national. Uh, Non-resident alien. Um, <laughs> Non, non-citizen national, non-resident alien. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to come to terms with the fact that they, they, you think you're looking at words and they're actually terms. Okay, and terms can be mean, can mean whatever they meant to mean, and then you go back to the Alice in Wonderland uh, quote. Yeah. So, because they, 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 words can mean whatever I want them to mean because, it, you know, it comes down to who's to be master. And if you don't understand, you, if you're looking at terms and you think they're words, you just got intellectually mugged and you don't know where, and, 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 and now you are compelled so, to consent. So, yeah. So, so how does all this fall <laughs> with state laws? Is the, is the only thing you can really use it for is to ignore the... The income tax, or no, 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 no. How are Here, you using here's, state here's as best as I well, understand, Cody. Here's the yeah. two things that happen the minute that paper is received at the state uh, secretary of state. First of all, all laws that they manufacture through the administrative state are all written for residents and citizens of the United States, and you're no longer one of those. So guess what? None of those laws apply to you anymore like they used to. 
Okay. And the other thing, mm-hmm. that's part of IRS. The other thing is you move over under the common law by doing that. And the other thing is somewhere, at least theoretically, in the bowels of the Treasury Department, there should be a notation on your entry that you are no longer property and can no longer be collateralized and securitized in the financial system that they base the whole system on, the people. See, ever you hear this statement out of thin air, out of thin air? They don't make, you ever known a banker that makes loans without compound interest? Yeah. What okay. about, so how does it work if you've got an LLC? Are they going to say that because you've got a corporation? You, uh, you know, you're yep. listen, we're, we're trying to yep. pioneer this stuff right now. We got another listener. I'm surprised he hadn't chimed in today. Patrick in Memphis, who's got a pretty large towing business and he's held hell bent to change his status and take his business over there under a natural person. Brent is working with him and his law expert. Uh, this is something we're pioneering. I mean, I don't have all the answers, Cody. Okay. Because I would think that that's how they get you. Oh, we'll give you limited liability, but in exchange for that, you're, you know, you have well, to pay our tax. I just didn't know how. Well, no, there ain't no tax it. involved. What uh, What's going on is you're not having, if you move over into this status, you're not having limited liability, buddy. You're having personal liability. Because you're doing your what? business now in that entity, and that entity is you, the free guy. Daryl, you run a business. Right, that's right. How are you applying this? You're saying so. You, yeah. Hey, well, but, I'm saying that if I have a company, then do, then what do I do? Do I still have to? Can't, Cody, I don't have all the answers, no. man. Talk yeah. to our buddy Brent. No. Daryl, well, uh, how are you incorporating yeah. well, this Cody, into what yeah. you do? Uh, I I incorporated this by unincorporating. <laughs> <laughs> But then you're personally liable with your business. That's the only. That's one potential. What's your problem? You got a. You got a. You got a. You have a problem with personal responsibility. See, this is this is part of the. This well, is part of the uh, transition. This is part of the. This is it. Versus only. You know, versus only suing oh, business. I, you know. Yeah. Well. Uh, okay. Uh, there's. Uh, you can. You can be. Uh, you can be a. A man or woman who is a sole owner, uh, any time that any time that you erect a corporate shield around you, that corporate shield has to come from the state, from uh, a different sanctioning body, a different sanctioning body. Okay, and that sanctioning body is the creator, and you are the franchisee. And under that, you operate under the terms and conditions of that corporate charter, which you didn't create, they did. You're just paying, you're just a franchisee. And so all of your commerce becomes uh, articles of equity associated through their sanction. I know that sounds like gobbledygook, but uh, you uh, become uh, attached to them. All right? And, And so you get to pay a privilege tax, you get to pay your your corporate tax, uh, your franchise fees. Okay, so if uh, you don't want to, you know, now you can you can be a private, uh, you can do uh, private trade uh, and exchange, and uh, under those terms, you don't really have what they consider income, and uh, 
you owe them no service, you owe them no duties. Uh, do you have liability? Absolutely you do. Well, if it bothers you, if it bothers you, uh, okay, depending upon what you do, and I don't know what that is, you can bond yourself. You can, buy, you can buy a bond for yourself. It looks like, yeah. and Brent's idea is the way that to approach this and deal with it is through trusts. Yeah. Well, Tommy Schramm does that to yeah, a large yeah, degree. Yeah, people have been messing okay. with them for a Tommy, long time. Yeah. And there's hundreds uh, of different kinds, but you go back to a common law trust, and it appears that that is the way I think Brent's thoughts are that that's the way to proceed to do this. But I don't know, and we haven't had anybody pioneer it to the point of being able to nail it really down yet. I'm hoping Patrick's going to do that because he's got a pretty big impact in the city of Memphis. And, and Roger, think about what Trump has done. I heard this years ago that everything he owns, well, he doesn't own anything in his name. Correct. It's all in a trust. Correct. All the big guys are like that. When they were going to, yep. remember when Follow. Ford, when Ford, uh, Nixon resigned, Ford moved up, and they tried for the first time to get a Rockefeller in as the vice president, and that was Nelson Rockefeller. Do you all remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay, and he got up in front of the Senate, and they're questioning him. You know, how much income tax did you pay me last year, Mr. Rockefeller? Oh, about five thousand dollars. They don't own anything. Yeah, it's the old man right. saying, "I don't want to own anything, but I want to control no everything." Yep, no liability. Right. So the, the other advantage to this uh, at some point uh, is that you can actually, as a man, a living man and woman, instead of being a person, uh, you potentially will have the opportunity to own real property. Uh, at this point, you don't. You don't own anything. Uh, and you don't own your car. You don't own your house. You don't own anything. You anything even, that you're paying taxes on, you don't own. You don't own your you're body. Leasing. You don't own your yeah. body. You don't even own your body. You don't own anything. Anything you're paying taxes. If you want to know, if you want to know what they own and you don't, and you've conflated in your mind that it's yours, think about everything you pay taxes on, and that's theirs because it's registered with them. That's why you yeah. don't want to register your business with them because that's theirs. All right. That's why you, that, and, 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 you know, uh, I don't know. I think Roger says it about as good as anybody I've ever heard say it is that property can't own property. You're a thing. And, yeah. um, you're not, you're not a corporation. Uh, you're an article in, you're an article in, in, in a corporation. <laughs> you're an article of commerce. You're a thing. And, and hey, things, Darryl? things. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I was I was thinking about what you said last. I think it was last week. You said look up the word res in in Black's Law, and that you know that prefix of the word resident or the term resident. And I have it right here in front of me, and this this dovetails with what you're saying, and, and it says a thing, an object, as a term of the law. This word has a very wide and extensive signification. Signification, including not only things which are objects of property, 
but also such as are not capable of individual ownership. Not capable of individual ownership. That just, I mean, it's beautiful. As a you know, resident, there you go, right in your face, you yeah. know. Res the thing ID. Wow. Uh, Samuel, here Res. now. Here's maybe somebody that can contribute to Cody a little bit, and Samuel's joined us. He's one. Of, he heard me years ago. Got distracted for a few years, and he's back. Hey, Samuel, how you doing? Uh, hi, Roger. I just wanted to let people know um, there's an asset protection system called the Way of the King. I believe it is trust. It's done by Team Law, Eric Madsen. Okay. Uh, Eric would uh, understand this approach that you're teaching, yet he would be an interesting guy to contact. Uh, I think he charges quite a bit of money to set this up, but it's for you to be able to be able to function with the system, but also be protected from it. Okay, Eric Madsen. Is it, he's got a page online. You can probably do a search on his name and have something pop up. What was his organizational name uh, again, Samuel? Teamlaw.org, I believe. Uh-huh, teamlaw.org. Yes. And uh, he also does land patents. That's who I put my land patent through. I know Chris mentioned that he was familiar but he, and mine is rural. I don't know if Christmas was or wasn't. It doesn't sound like it was, but anyway. Um, there's a lot of people waking up and asking questions, uh, Cody. And what I've come to learn the very hard way is, because when this book came out and I came to this information, I got on Joyce Riley's show a couple of times, I thought there'd be just this gigantic upswelling of people wanting to file affidavits, and it didn't happen. Okay, and I was on Joyce Riley's show two times with her, and she couldn't understand it after six hours of going over it. Okay, and so it's difficult for people to grasp. They've done a very good job at this. That's why I told you earlier I respect them so much, because you've you've got to. I don't even know what all the steps are for everybody involved. That's one of the reasons I'm happy y'all are on here today. But constantly I run into this for all these years, and I've just come to the determination that the people aren't ready to know yet. So I try and find the few that are and see if we can build us a strong nucleus because I know at some point in the future a larger amount of people percentage-wise are going to be looking for the answers we've got. So we don't have to go out and beat them over the head. We just have to build ourselves strong and know our game and be on top of it to the nth right now. That's what I think this period of time is Okay. For. Okay, honestly. Yeah. I sent you, I WhatsApped you there, Roger. There, it's interesting when you, I was looking up consent of the governor and I found a Wikipedia article that talks about types of consent. And you think, oh, there's just a couple types of consent. But here they've got unanimous consent, hypothetical consent, overt versus tacit consent, um, engineered that's what, consent, that's the literal one. consent. And that's the one they've got going on right now is tacit consent. And if you don't believe it, file an affidavit because you'll never hear a peep out of them. They've got you that you've given them tacit consent, and the presumption of law is shifted against you from birth, and it runs your entire life until you rebut it. 
And when you rebut it, the presumption mm-hmm. shifts back to the way it originally was. Now, yeah. listen, we've bannered his well, name. Let me, read, let me read this. Okay, okay. Well, this is interesting. For the unanimous consent, a key question is whether the unanimous consent of the governor is required. If so, this would imply the right of secession for those who do not want to be governed by a particular collective. All democratic governments today allow decisions to be made even over the dissent of a minority of voters, which in some theorists view calls into question whether said government can rightfully claim in all circumstances to the act with the consent of the governed. So it's, it's very interesting. If you guys just type in consent of the governed in Wikipedia, you'll come up with, and then under the menu types of consent, kind of interesting. Well, it it was interesting that one of the founders of Wikipedia came out yesterday and said it's turned into a bias rag that is influenced by outside forces. Patrick has joined us. We've kicked his name around here a bit today. Patrick, how you doing, man? What do you got to add for your two cents here for our friend Cody? Cody is a good friend. We met through Brent. Cody is a friend of Brent's. Okay, and now he's a friend of mine, and so that's the relationship here. Hey, Patrick, what's going on, man? You towing a bunch of cars today? Hello, Patrick. Yeah, uh, the guys are. I'm fixing to go in. I went down to South Mississippi and followed my bloodline uh, down in Lawrence County and Pike and went to the cemeteries and looking up who's who and uh, just spent some time down there and go back and continue to work that place over. It, uh, it really sobered me up to who I am, where I'm headed what I want and to realize that I'm so, uh, so, uh, blessed and, and gifted compared to my, uh, great, 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 great granddaddies. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> they was lost down there after the civil war. They didn't have shoes. They didn't yeah. have clothes. You know, it was, it was, uh, the high plains drifter. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty strange to listen to some of the stories of the older folks talk about their parents and the, how they got the mail and different things. But uh, y'all, y'all go ahead over to y'all. Well, I'm hoping Ike will get finished with the book because I want a book report from him. And there's our whistler, so we're pretty well close to the end today. I appreciate all the folks that chimed in today, and I hope something we said took hold somewhere for you and you investigate it a little bit and think about it. And we'll be back tomorrow and basically do the same thing. Okay, so you guys have a nice uh, third day of the three-day weekend, and uh, I hope today was productive for you. And our little group just keeps getting stronger, guys, and it's thanks to you. And I care about each and every one of you, and I promise you. All right, thank you. Because I've gone through holy hell to get you, all right? I'll see you all tomorrow. Back at you. Thank you. Thanks, Roger and Daryl, for your input. See you all tomorrow. See you guys.